Welcome to Mr. Bait and Switch. Ghost stories to keep you and your organization alive. Each of these stories is written to reflect on life-giving insights, but you have to figure out what the insight is that will keep you alive. For more information and reflection and discussion questions, go to spacepainter.com. And now, let's get to our next story. Into the Light Written by J. Thomas Sparrow and read by Geraldine Hoxie Sparrow It is true that I am the youngest branch manager at Your Trust Savings and Loan. Gaining this title was not an honor. It was a setup for failure. Perhaps they promoted me to branch manager simply because I wasn't paying attention. Stories of unexplained open drawers meant nothing to me. Our savings and loan has six locations. My branch is the oldest but smallest. I have two employees, three if I count the janitorial service. After I became manager, I did notice something strange with the curtains one day. They were swaying like they were being blown by the wind. I remember being puzzled as it occurred to me that the window was permanently locked. I looked around and noticed that there was no air conditioning vent in the area. Standing next to the curtain, watching it billow in and out, I wondered what could be doing this. There didn't seem to be any airflow around it. I brought my hand to the curtain and held it. The curtain stopped moving for a moment. Then I felt a tremendous tug as the whole curtain shot upward, ripping it from my hand. I fell backwards and nearly ended up on the floor. I stared at the curtain. Once again, it began to gently flow back and forth. I asked Susan and Connor, my tellers, if they had ever witnessed anything like this. Connor nodded his head as Susan answered, Yes, it happens nearly every day. It is best to ignore it. Why? Because you can't stop it, and if you try, bad things happen. Like what? Susan sighed. I don't want to say, but please just accept it. Treat it as business as usual. About a week later, after I had locked all the doors at closing, I came into my office and noticed that every drawer in my desk had been opened. I was alone. I had just been in my office. How could the drawers have been opened? I walked through the office and checked behind the counter. I tugged on the back door. I saw nothing unusual. But then I discovered that the two front doors, which I had just locked, were now wide open. Although they were designed to always swing shut, the doors were staying open. I walked over to them and closed them. Pulling out my keys, I relocked them. I double-checked to make sure they were indeed locked. I didn't call the police. What could I say? I locked the doors and then they were open? The drawers in my desk were pulled out? That night, cleaning up after my dinner, I had an epiphany. The stories were true. There was a ghost at my branch. Susan had been telling me that there was nothing I could do about it. 
Up until this point, the fact that one of the previous branch managers had been locked in the vault and nearly died of fright had seemed an unfortunate accident. Then I remembered another branch manager had broken her arm and ankle on a nasty fall down the steps into the basement. Perhaps she was not merely clumsy. I was the manager of a haunted savings and loan. My stomach churned. I hadn't learned about this in business school, but I would take the time to figure out what to do. The bank was quiet for a week. Just as my hopes were up one afternoon, I heard a noise coming from my office. It was a metallic sound, like a rolling metal dish. I went into the office and found my coat rack rolling on the middle of the floor. Following Susan's advice, I said, that's my ghost, and went back to my work. Another quiet week went by, and then at closing time, we were having trouble reconciling accounts. One stack of bills was $20 short. My teller rechecked one of the other stacks that had already been counted, but found it to be $20 over. So we put the $20 with the short stack and double-checked that it was right, but it was now $20 over. While the two stacks of $1,000 each were on the counter, something unbelievable happened right in front of our eyes. Susan and I saw it. This is true. I am not exaggerating. One of the $20 bills was sliding across the counter, going from one stack to the other. Then those two stacks began to spread out on the counter. The bills began to rise up into the air and then fall down onto the counter. I lurched at the falling bills and stuffed them into a bag. I put the bag into the vault and locked the big door. Susan and I practically ran out of the bank. I was shivering. I said to Susan, I don't know if I can take this. She said to me, you can't fight it or bad things will happen to you. That is what happened to the other managers. Gus was cursing at the ghost when he got locked into the vault. Emily was trying to lock it downstairs when she fell down the steps. I have to do something, I said. Well, don't do what they did, she warned. After I started up my car, I had trouble putting it into gear. My nerves were shot. I was near tears. I was worried that this ghost was in the car with me. I managed to get home. That Friday night, I drifted in and out of a restless, fearful sleep. On Saturday, I had the day off and gradually relaxed. I had been doing some reading on ghosts, and I increased my research to find out what others had done in similar situations. Through my study, I formed a plan to stop this ghost from haunting my branch. I was going to need to go into the bank basement. Sunday afternoon, I opened up the back door to go into my branch. The building was 115 years old. I paused for a moment. How many stories were there about the very threshold I was walking over? Once inside, I opened the door to the basement where we kept our archives. I walked down the wooden stairs, confident I was doing the right thing. As I descended the steps, I was overcome with the eerie feeling that I was now in the very place that my ghost lurked. I switched on the single bare light bulb that hung from the ceiling in this small, musty basement. 
Walking to the metal bookshelf, I pulled out the big album of newspaper clippings. This book contained every article that mentioned our branch in the first 90 years of its existence. I took the book over to the round table next to the wall. I began to search for information about someone who had died at our bank, someone who was now haunting our branch, someone who had been long forgotten. After two hours of searching, my heart began to pound harder as I read the following story. Homeless farmer dies near savings and loan. Robert Cole was found frozen to death yesterday morning. His body was discovered in the alley behind the savings and loan. It was an ironic death for the once prosperous farmer to die on the back steps of this institution. Years ago, he had claimed to have brought in more than $4,000 on the day of the infamous bank run, the day that the savings and loan managed to stay open, while the other banks in town were forced to close. Cole had said that he had given his money to the manager, Sven Johansson, who died from a heart attack that very night. According to Cole, his money was the reason Johansson was able to keep the savings and loan open. Cole said that because he and Johansson were friends, and because of the turmoil that day, he never got a receipt. When the next branch manager refused to believe Cole's story, Cole lost his farm in bankruptcy. Recently, he had been homeless. Cole will be buried in the pauper's field. My mouth was dry as I finished reading the story. I said to the empty, dingy basement, Mr. Cole, are you here now? A moment later, I felt a sensation of cold touch my hand. I swallowed hard and said, I can hardly imagine what it would be like to freeze to death on the back steps of the very institution that took your money. I felt that same cold sensation on the front of my throat and then the back of my neck. Mr. Cole, it's time for you to go. Suddenly there was a pressure on my throat. I began to have trouble breathing. I managed to say, Mr. Cole, your business is done here. You need to leave. At this point, the pressure on my throat was so great, I could scarcely breathe, and I fell off my chair to the floor. I uttered, Mr. Cole, I will get a plaque, and on the plaque, I was gasping for air. On the plaque, I will mount the newspaper story. I will title the plaque, The True Story of the man who saved our savings and loan. Mr. Cole, I believe you. When I said this, the pressure was slowly released from my throat. As I sucked in air, I started to see a blue light radiating from a figure crouched next to me. As I stared in amazement, I said, Mr. Cole, I apologize on behalf of the past managers. Who did not believe you? I thank you for what you did for our savings and loan. I will honor you. Now I saw the crouched figure with the blue light stand up and move toward the center of the room. The blue light began to change hues. It went from dark blue to light blue to aqua blue. It began to flicker 
and sparkle. The blue figure stood beneath the white light of the bare light bulb. The white light and the blue light began to grow in intensity. They became so bright I could no longer look at them. I turned away, but I could see them flashing and merging on the wall, the blue and white coming together. There was then a tremendous explosion that sounded like one toll of a gigantic metal bell. Bong! And then I was engulfed in darkness. My ears were ringing, but soon a silence settled into that room, and I lay on the floor in the dark listening to the silence. A sense of peace came over me. I laid there for at least a minute, and then I got up, walked through the dark of the room, and carefully climbed up the stairs into the light of the savings and loan. The very next day, I ordered the plaque to honor Mr. Cole.